And what is up? Welcome in GC Live. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. Thursday episode. I hope everybody's been doing well. Uh, Chris, it just hit me, man. We have not done an actual surefire GC Live in a minute. There have been GC Lives. Y'all have seen the you know the basketball version of the show. And, of course, uh, Mike has had his version of the show as well. But, Chris, it's been a minute for you and me. We've, of course, had the 107.5 show going. But this felt like a good time. To check in on everybody, we are under two weeks, believe it or not, under two weeks until spring practice kicks off. Hard to believe. Time has just flown by, man. And then, of course, um, Shane Beamer speaking earlier today, talking about a number of things. I, I called it housekeeping earlier, but it was just kind of getting everybody up to date. So I, I figure we'll check in on that, maybe talk a little recruiting if we have time, and then, Chris, uh, of course, combine going on right now as well. Five Gamecocks out there who are going to have an opportunity to help themselves moving forward. Uh, but first, I don't want to forget, got to tell everybody about our friend Clint Hammond with Movement Mortgage, 803-771-6933. I've worked with Clint for a number of years now. Good friend of mine, good business uh, friend of mine as well, and just a fantastic guy and a huge Gamecock fan, so we appreciate the support from Clint, but also if you're in the market for a home, if you're thinking about being in the market for a home, or you're just like, I would say, overwhelmed by everything going on in the housing market right now, Clint is the perfect person to help walk you through everything that it has to do with buying a house. So again, 803-771-6933. Chris, what's up? Hey, man, I'm live on location here at Steel Hands. Brewing over in Casey, Steelhead Studios is what we call it. Going to continue to make some improvements here as we continue to build things out. But um, we're here hanging out, and it has been quite a while. I, I've actually, Wes, it kind of made me feel good. I've actually had a few requests from the people to do a GC Live because it has been so long. So good to be back here with everybody. See some of the uh, what's up, Birdman, Gamecock Ryan, Daniel W., some regulars hopping in on the chat. I see a I see a mad emoji up at the top. Hopefully that's just because people are mad that we have not been back in so long and not uh, for some other reason. So we, we know who you are, by the way. It it tells me exactly who left the angry Uh-oh. emoji. Yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna call him out. Yeah. Chris. Um see that's the thing. You, you think a lot of people, you know, on Gamecock Central, for instance, if you go to the Insiders Forum, you know, every now and then people can get away with some anonymity. But unless you're using a fake, I guess on YouTube, if you're using your, your name on Facebook, you're going to be found out. Yeah, you're found out. So I'm going to just assume that they hit the wrong button. But that's, yep. I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're angry. I don't know. Um, so Beamer talked today. Luckily, Chris, we, you and I had gotten to sit down with him. The days have run together. That was either a week ago or two weeks ago. It was one of the two. Or a month ago. Who knows at this yeah, point? Yeah, or, or a month ago. But, you know, so we, we had anticipated the, the Taka Hemingway news. He had said, you know, I, I can't remember even exactly what he said um, the time before. But we knew 
Tonkin was going to be limited. Um, he essentially said today, Tonkin Hemingway, you know, is out. Like, don't anticipate them playing. Don't anticipate Case and Henry playing. That was something I had mentioned to you that I had heard, but hadn't completely, you know, confirmed enough to, to start talking about it. We're very careful when it comes to injury situations. But that, to me, I mean, it, injuries in the spring that don't fold over into the fall are not a massive deal in the long run. But that was probably the most newsy information that we got from this press conference, I would say. Yeah, probably that. And we'll, we'll dive into those. I think they're particularly with case and Henry, there might be a little bit to talk about there. Tonko with his experience level and how much he's already played, not as much, um, you know, heck, I don't know if you get Tonka Hemingway and some of the other guys on the roster. It's not like you're beating them up during spring anyway. You know, you want to be careful with those guys. I think the other, West probably most noteworthy item, not that there was news, but everybody was wondering about the status of the three suspended players. Um, you know, of course, with Anthony Rose, Montague Rames, Cam Upshaw, and Beamer mentioned that those guys remained suspended. And you pointed this out earlier. He, he kind of went – I guess you could say a little bit more strong um, in saying that he doesn't anticipate those guys being with us anytime in the near future. And so certainly you wouldn't expect any of them to be back for spring. We'll have to see what happens there. We know according to public records that uh, Rose and Rames, who are the, from what we know, Wes, the only two of those three that have actual charges filed don't even have preliminary hearings, court dates until March 31st scheduled according to public records. So you kind of got, and Beamer pointed this out too, you've got your internal football program discipline. You've got the legal system, which is going to, you know, help inform that, those decisions. But then the other part of it is you also have the university, you know, judicial system as well. And so all those things kind of have to work in concert I know a lot of people have been wanting an update on those players, but right now there's nothing there that's that can really play out. I think you'll, you'll have to see some of the legal process play out. Something could happen before then, but that's where it's at right now. Yeah, Clark weighing in from Facebook. He said, sorry for the fat-fingered angry emoji. It's okay, Clark. We forgive you, man. Right, Chris, I was so close. I was wanting to just blame it on Kendall Smith. Like, just, you know, shout just, out to just – yeah, for no reason, like completely catching strays, like <laughs> has nothing to do with it, but just blame Kendall. Um, That's but, a good uh, yeah, Clark, it's cool, man. No worries. So, uh, yeah, that those were the the big newsy items, man. I thought to me with with Tonka, you know, the the guy has played a lot. Now, I do think there was a little there was a little bit of me wondering. You know, Beamer has said he's a defensive tackle. We wanted to play defensive mm-hmm. tackle. How much time, let's say if he was healthy, how much time would they have devoted to possibly playing him more at that edge spot? We saw him, we saw him play it more and more as the season went on last year. I think now, and maybe this was going to be the case anyway, Chris, but I think now there is a I don't want to say burden, but there is a opportunity slash some some pressure to all those other guys we've talked about at the edge position where I think they're all going to get a bunch of reps. They're all going to be challenged. Um, Jordan Strong, who you would 
probably project as the starting a starting edge guy. He's not going to do much in the spring either. So if I'm Terrell Dawkins, if I'm Tyreek Johnson, if I'm Brian Thomas Jr., if I'm Dez Umiozulu, a guy who I think we're all excited to see and see what he's made of already as a true freshman, if you're one of them, dude, you're getting rep after rep after rep. And that can go two ways. Like, let's call it what it is. That can be South Carolina sitting there and Sterling Lucas and those guys are saying, hey, this guy took a step forward. This guy took a step forward. I feel better. Or that could be them saying, we got to hit this portal even harder than we realized, right? Right. Well, and I was going to ask you, I mean, there's no scenario in which they exit spring, they being South Carolina's coaching staff, and say, we're good, no portal, no portal necessary. I mean, because, right, because you see what you have going into this season, and then you do have to keep in mind, Wes, that Monarchy Rames is not going to be, at least for the spring, at least, and probably more, realistically, he's not going to be part of this team. So he was a guy that, although he's a true freshman, everybody was eyeing Desmond Yumiozulu and Monarchy Rames as, okay, these guys – are capable of coming in and playing some as true freshmen, not starting, but giving you some snaps, but needing them not also to play some snaps and some quality snaps at that. And so without Reims in the fold, you're limited, right? And so um, I think regardless, look, it is a really good opportunity for those core guys that you mentioned to get lots of reps during the spring and to improve. And that's going to be critical regardless of, you know, when Jordan Strong comes back, whoever South Carolina is able to add through the portal, and they do definitely need to add somebody at least, the the development of those other guys is still critical. You know, Terrell Dawkins is a player that Beamer mentioned to us specifically in our sit-down with him as someone that, you know, he was kind of looking at both out of necessity but also because of how his last season went. Remember, he arrived as a transfer, so he's still acclimating. He ends up getting hurt. He ends up missing basically the entire rest of the season, missed a huge chunk of the season. So when when he's back healthy, you know, they need him to come in and be able to make an impact at the edge position. Yeah, and I think he's one of the guys, Chris, you're sitting there saying you you don't quite know what to expect from him at at this point. And, I I mean, looking back, dude, I I was high on this edition. Um you know, and, I, and I'm not in any way saying I've given up on it either. Like, I, um, you know, I've talked to Terrell a couple of times. I got to interview him in the Garnet Trust stuff. Met him in person. Great dude. I think he's about all the right things. And uh, just my impressions talking to him, I don't want to sit there and give up on him because of last year. It did. It seemed like it was a little bit up and down into the spring. And he even told us in one of those interviews, he was, like, trying to find the right playing weight. What is the right – um, what is the right mix to where you're heavy enough to hold up in the SEC, but you keep your speed, you keep your quickness. And, you know, I, I think you look at last year with the injuries as well. It, it felt like he came on a little bit at the end of the spring, had a great spring game, I thought. And then, you know, you have the injuries. It really just slowed down his progress, man. So he gets in there this year. You got to hope. You got to hope all those guys we named are going to be able to stay healthy or going to be able to just take a bunch of reps 
are going to be able to develop. You know, I if you had told me, if you told me, give me five guys from this class who could play for South Carolina this year, um, just the high school guys, right? Montague would have been on that list for me. So, yeah, he's a true freshman. And right now, you know, obviously it's about the off-the-field stuff and all that. But if none of this had happened, he's one of them I would have been circling, saying circumstances plus talent, I think he's got a chance to play a bunch. Now, I don't think you can sit here and project that at all this year. So, it's like that's just one more. Not that that was even ideal, but that's just one more option who I would have said on paper, you know, two months ago was going to be an option there. And so I think that's that's such an interesting spot. You have some guys there. Chris, you have some guys there who I think are going to struggle to ever be quite big enough to be every down SEC edge guys, which is a defensive end for all intents and purposes. And then – you know, you have some guys there who are older and have kind of been reserves or backups for, for most of their career to this point. And, you know, you're kind of wondering how how much more upside is there. So it, it really puts you in, in kind of a rough spot. And I, I'm excited to see Umio Zulu. I think uh, this is a very high upside kid. I know you were up there when he committed and spent, you know, spent some time around his coach and all that. They need for that eval to be a check mark, I think. And they need him to be ahead of schedule, I think, because otherwise you're kind of at the mercy of who is available in the portal when that next opening comes, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you, this is a time where you got to get some development done. And, you know, Wes, it, it's not a great picture at Edge by any means. I do have to wonder, is there some type of surprise in there in store at the edge position? And by that, I don't mean anything to do with the portal. I mean, am I going too far Too far negative? No, no, no. I, I feel exactly the same as you. But but he, I was thinking about this as we unpack this position. You know, remember the safety position two years ago, or DB in general? It's a pretty bleak outlook. And then you fast forward through the season – and Jalen Foster's an All-American. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not projecting that on anybody at edge. I, I don't foresee that happening. I'm not predicting that that happens. But even know, last year at safety, even last year at safety, you know, you're what in the heck is going on? And here's two true freshmen, local guys that are playing and playing. A lot of people around the program really, really like to love Nikki Minori and DQ Smith, but you got even more out of them than you expected. And they weren't even early enrollees, right? So could it be that Des Yumiazulu, and, and, and it seems like the very early indications, Wes, are they feel like they have a hit in him. You know, that doesn't mean he's Jadavion Clowney year one, guys, but they feel like they've, they've hit on him. Does he play a good bit and play quite well? Does Tyreek Johnson, I mean, Tyreek Johnson, like you said, he has been – kind of up and down in his career. He's never carved out a, a starter-esque role or big, big snaps. But he has had, when he's been healthy less, he's kind of had these periods where you go, man, Tyree Johnson, like he's doing some things in practice. 
And so he, he does have experience. Can he give them something? You look back at Dawkins, right? Injured last year in Columbia. Season before at NC State, he played in 10 games, but he missed the spring there, the whole summer, and the injury that lingered into fall in the season. In 2020, during the COVID year, he was given the Phillip Rivers Award for being the top rookie on the team. Started six games, had four and a half sacks, which led ACC freshmen. So he has some talent. So I think the key is, number one, you've got to stay healthy during the spring and definitely into the season. But during the spring, before you can get some portal help, assuming you can, because you really have to take the time and these guys really need all the reps they can get to develop. But I don't look, I, I definitely agree. It is not a really good picture right now. You got to go find some portal help. But I do leave the door open a bit for maybe someone to emerge and do a little bit more, um, maybe than we're thinking sitting here today. Yeah, and that's certainly what you uh, hope if you're South Carolina. And I think, I mean, it's in good hands. Like Sterling Lucas, we were, um, you know, we were talking about this with Shane Beamer, man. I mean, Sterling Lucas is a, a rock star. And, um, you know, it's been great on the recruiting trail. Has been really good as developing guys as well. It's come in. You forget how young Sterling Lucas is to be running a position at a major institution, you know, at the SEC. He, I mean, Chris, he's a good bit younger than you and I. And sit there, you kind of look about like, oh, man, what have I done with my life? But um, born in 1990, I think. So Sterling, a young guy, but has done fantastic so far. So the position is in good hands. You're going to feel so much better if you can find, you know, I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but you got to, I think, at least find one. You got to hope you can find one guy out there in the portal that you feel good about just coming in and providing something else even if you're not finding a ready-made starter, somebody else that can help you. And, um, you know, I, I think they're going to really push uh, Yumi Azulo just to, hey, man, this may not be fair to you, but you're talented, you're needed. We're going to push um, and, and try to get you ready to play. We're not trying to get you ready just to play special teams. going to try to get you to, to go play, um, you know, for real, for real, and possibly start by the end of the year, I think. But – um, I'll be honest, Chris, we were writing during Beamer. I was in and out for part of it. I haven't gone through all the other players yet. Is either all the transfers spoke today. We've already got some stuff on GC. There's going to be more on Gamecock Central moving forward. But um, before we move to players, let's talk a little more Beamer. Anything else uh, that caught your attention? I mean, it, it was kind of interesting to me. Trey Knox mentioned how, I guess, how fast they're going to be going. And Beam said, well, that's, you know, I'm glad Trey Knox and uh, <laughs> Dow Loggins have discussed this because that's news to me. But I do, Chris, I feel like we've heard that. That's kind of been, I mean, is that just maybe one of those things that's been repeated to the I, fact that people assume it's true? But don't you feel like we've heard, hey, pro style but with tempo and there may be there may be some semantics here maybe some lost in translation here do you think what's the word conflating you think people are conflating tempo with being faster or more streamlined 
on the actual verbiage and play calling side of things. I think that's something we do know is that they want quicker, easier, literal play calls. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think that could be on the conflation. Is that a word? A conflated, I guess the correct. I don't even know if I used that word right. It just sounded right. I think you did. I've been using that word some lately and come away like, all right, did I, did I do that right? But I think so. You know, that it is an absolute certainty that the play calls are going to be less wordy than in the past. Now, let's try to be fair. <clears throat> Not every single play call that USC had in the past under Marcus Satterfield was, you know, a, a 10, 15 word thing. They, they had some, some play calls where it was one or two words and, and everything's in there, but it, they had the wristband system. Sometimes they huddled, sometimes they didn't. It does seem like they want to streamline the process of getting the plays in. I know we talked to Spencer Rattler, Wes, about that, and he mentioned, um, you know, we asked him about the wristbands and all those different types of things, and he, he didn't seem entirely sure, thought they would probably signal. Um, but he also mentioned, you know, to, to kind of take it separately, that he felt like they were going to play with more tempo. He likes playing with more tempo. He said he felt like – the offensive players as a whole, except for the O-line. He threw a little shade at the O-linemen. He said they might get tired. So um, <laughs> he said that everybody wanted to play with tempo. You know, and, and so it has been mentioned. Maybe what Beamer was saying was, let's not put the cart before the horse. Let's slow down just a little bit because Beamer, honestly, Wes, probably doesn't want people hearing, whether it's players, fans, everybody hearing tempo and assuming this is going to be – yeah, I don't know, Art Browse Baylor, where you're you're snapping the ball every two seconds or something like that. That that may very well be it. But I do think a streamlining how you're getting the plays in, the play calling process, that's something that's a certainty. And I, I think it's a pretty much a near certainty we are going to see at least some more tempo sprinkled in there. Not not to say South Carolina is going to go warp speed um, at all times. Yeah, and I think there's something about tempo when people automatically think that means, oh, you're going to score a bunch of points. Like, they're, they're kind of combined yeah. for some reason. And obviously, they want to score a bunch of points, and they – I think they actually can score quite a few points this coming year. However, what's up, Still Curtain, by the way? Good to see you. Like you said, man, we've got a lot of – I've missed seeing these guys. That's the one thing with doing the radio stuff. We don't get to – interact yeah. with y'all as much so what's up still curtain hope you're well um but yeah man i i think Be beamer knows quite a bit about the pr and the media relations and all that you you don't want to set these crazy expectations either you want to just sort of let your play do the talking and they have been do, do you think they have a much better feel for what this offense is going to be behind the scenes and they've really expressed so far, or do you think there's really are still? I know to an extent they're still working through it. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but how how big is the gap between what they're telling us and what they already know? You think? Oh, they they know more. I mean, I think they always know a little bit more, and, and there's not a problem with that. I mean, obviously, um, you know, internally, I think they they know a lot more. Dow Loggins Beamer, just in terms of how they're going to structure things, the plan going into spring practice now. 
there's there's always a constant feeling out process, and particularly when you're putting in a new offense. You know, I think they honestly will probably keep some of the stuff from last year. When I say stuff, that can mean a concept. It can mean a literal entire play, a play call that maybe you just condense. There could be some of that because there were, you know, it's easy to forget there were some good things at the end of last season when South Carolina streamlined everything from what they had, um, what they carried into the season. So, you know, I think you have ideas about what you want to do offensively. Um, you know your personnel. I mean, you know your quarterback. You know a lot of your offensive linemen. You know a lot of your receivers. You have tight ends that, while they have not been on your roster, they do have pretty substantial bodies of work. You know, when you think about Trey Knox, Josh Simon, they have plenty of college football tape. You can go back and watch and see what they do well. And so you do have a pretty good idea going into the spring, Wes, I think of, you know, what you want to put in, what you want to do. Now you do still have to go put it on the field, put it into practice, and you don't ever want to walk away from spring practice saying, gosh, we just spent most of our practice time trying to hard-headedly install a bunch of stuff that our players can't do, you know. So I don't think that'll happen. I mean, I think going in they're going to have a pretty good idea of, what they want to do and what they want to ask the players to do this spring. Yeah, and I, I think I think Ben, honestly, and I dude, I'm I'm not one of these guys, you know this. We try to stay pretty balanced on it. I don't throw shade at everything Marcus Satterfield did, like some people. I don't, on the other hand, I don't think everything he did was fantastic either. I mean, obviously there were issues along the way, but I thought going back, um, you know, they were maybe just a little more to, oh, we're going to fill things out. We're going to fill things out. Looking back to their very first spring and some of the stuff Satterfield said publicly back then, like, hey, we're going, you know, we're going to figure out what they can do. And we're doing, we're installing this, 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 and this. And I think it's important to be a little bit more efficient with your time throughout spring practice. So I, I'll be curious to see what the base package looks like and if we even get a feel for that yet. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, and, and I go all the way back to when Satterfield first joined the, the South Carolina program. And you remember we were all trying to figure out it, – it, same thing with any coach, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, you know, special teams in there too, but people worry more about the actual scheme. People don't talk about special teams scheme a lot, right, unless it's a, man, that was a really well-designed – fake or something like that. I'm not going to let, oh, let, let's analyze how they lined up, you know, what the shield looked like on the punt, on the punt team. You know, people don't really do that a lot. So offensively and defensively, you're always trying to figure out what is it going to look like? That's why these coaches, these players get these questions so often. You know, we were always trying to figure that out when Satterfield first came on board. And it was kind of like, well, you know, he's got this from Temple, you know, which was a specific style. He's got – you've got him and, and Shane Beamer and some others saying, you know, there'd be some Oklahoma concepts, which is a lot different. You've got NFL concepts and Joe Brady-type stuff from the Carolina Panthers, which is different than those other two things. And you kind of mix it all together. And so, in some ways, you're like, man, is that going to work? The answer is sometimes it did not, you know. I mean, I think probably the best example of it, Wes, is the Florida game last year. Everything went wrong that could in that game. But I think one of them, the, the big thing was 
too much. You know, there, there's just too much uh, in terms of plays, personnel, formations, all these different things. And it, it was almost, it's going to sound weird, Wes, it, that, was, that game was almost a blessing in disguise. You know, if South Carolina had competed well, do they drastically alter things as much as they did um, in terms of cutting things down for the next two weeks? I'm not sure. Will we ever know? I, I don't know. But uh, it went very poorly down in the swamp. They streamlined things, and things went a lot better, right? So I do think having a little bit more of an identity of what you want to do, even heading into the spring, is key. You're always going to tinker with things. There'll be some things during spring ball they adjust. There'll be some things after spring ball as they're kind of reviewing it that they adjust to. Here's one, and I don't want to get us too off topic or – I might be taking a detour here. One thing that absolutely has to be an adjustment for this team that probably doesn't have anything to do with scheme. Is I already turnover. know where you're going. Yep. I mean, Beamer, you know, he was about as mad as you'll see thinking about the turnovers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like stewing in his brain. Um, said it was ridiculous, embarrassing. And Wes, it – it was bad. I, I didn't even realize this. I was just looking it up today. Beamer mentioned they were last in the SEC and lost turnovers last year. They were also tied for 126th in the country. Only three teams worse than South Carolina turning the football over last year. Uh, 27 total turnovers, 13 fumbles, 14 interceptions. And when you look at that, you go, man, this team won eight games. It'd be two top ten teams. And we're one of the worst teams in the country at turning the football over. So it's a little bit of what could have been, but you do have to flush that if you're this program and figure out a way to not turn it over so much. Is the offense a component in that? Probably so. Well, yeah, I, I think, dude, to, to me, I mean, everybody wants to create explosive plays, right? Um, <clears throat> there, there's a give and take to all of that, right? Like, Sometimes to create explosive plays, you have to put the ball in danger. And sometimes that's going to lead to turnovers. I think, as this may sound counterproductive, I don't know if you ever want a team to have, like, no turnovers. Like, I, I know I know the goal is to have no turnovers, right? You never look at a turnover and be like, oh, that's a good turnover right there. The goal is to have no turnovers. In actuality... You don't want to actually have no turnovers. You want – if you turn the ball over through the course of a season to an extent, but it's not crazy like what Carolina saw, and you're still moving the football, you're making plays, you're making explosive plays, touchdowns, you're scoring, then you know what? Turnovers are going to happen. It's fine. It's okay. I, I think you can go too far with it, but certainly you don't want to be into the 120s nationally. And I'm sure that that grinds Beamer's gears, I think, for it to be two years in a row for that to happen. So, yeah, that, that's something they have to clean up uh, while also not getting what, – what was the year – I'm trying to think which – I think this was Jake Bentley's last season. At South, I felt like there was a year where South Carolina – talked so much about limiting turnovers that it felt like Jake Bentley, and we're going back a ways, 
it felt like Jake Bentley was playing not to make turnovers as opposed to per- trying to protect the football within the confines and the mm-hmm. construct of everything else within the offense. So I think it's like anything in football, you're trying to walk that fine line between not making bad errors while also trying to not play scared, you know, because there there is a line to walk there. And it was kind of cr- – dude, some of the games, they won some big games. Look at Clemson. They turned the ball over against Clemson, but still won the game because they had, I think, a gunslinger's mindset. Now, you also created turnovers as well. So, you can turn the ball over if you can create some turnovers and create some big plays. When you really get yourself in trouble is if you're not making big plays, you're turning the ball over, Florida game. Florida game, they turned the ball over, they didn't make big plays, and they didn't create their own turnovers. Yeah, that, that's going to make it very, very difficult to win. And, you know, you, you look back, Wes, like at the teams that they're you – know, you look back at the teams last season, for example, that didn't turn the ball over a lot. It's generally, generally, broad generalization, pretty good teams. You know, Duke had a really good year. San Jose State, they were a good team. Tennessee, Tennessee had 11 turnovers, Wes, all last year. That's Three, hard to believe. Three interceptions, eight fumbles, which is like a, a, a fairly high number, fairly high. Um, I think South Carolina had like, what did I say, 13 fumbles. So, you know, you look at Tennessee, they could have had single-digit turnovers if they don't put the ball on the ground a couple more times. Ohio State was in there. Michigan was in there. Um, so there's some real App State, there's some really good teams up in there that didn't turn the football over a lot. It's not an end-all, be-all, um, but certainly – you want to cut down on those. And, and you look at, I mean, the Clemson game, you're right. South Carolina was able to make a lot of huge plays, get turnovers themselves, but some of those turnovers could have completely shot themselves in the foot or, and, and prevented them from winning. They had a pick six in that game, hard to win when you throw pick sixes. Um, you, you had a huge play and got down to the goal line, throw a pick, you know, going into, going into their end zone. But they were able to counteract that. That's not a typical scenario, though. So not only – yeah, I think the other thing to look at is the actual margin of turnover, right, for South Carolina. Um, we saw in year one for Beamer's squad, they were pretty adept at causing turnovers, and, and I think that helped them a lot, kind of survive in some games and be competitive. You know, last year, South Carolina's tied for 95th nationally in turnover margin. So not only are they one of the worst teams in the country turning the football over, they're not creating an adequate amount of turnovers on defense to counteract that. And that's a little bit more, I feel like, uncontrollable, Wes. Would, would we agree you, you can control turnovers offensively a little bit more than you can control getting turnovers defensively? Is that fair? To an extent, yeah. I mean, I, I think turnovers, there's a lot of randomness, I think, to your defensive turnovers. Yeah. Now, some teams are – some teams are not good at taking advantage when they have opportunities to get turnovers. You know, like that's a ball is thrown right to your DB. Um, you know, they, they got to catch the ball. A, a ball's on the turf. You got to have the right technique and in, in landing on it. So, you know, I think some teams are better than others at taking advantage, but you're sometimes you're only given what you're given. You know, maybe the team yeah. you're playing is very good at protecting the football. Maybe, you know, I, I think something Carolina has faced other teams had such a good – had so much success running the football on them 
that, you know, when you run the football, especially if you're in second and four and third and one, you're not pressing. Yeah. So you, you create turnovers when you rush the passer. You create turnovers when you get the quarterback off platform, when he gets hit, uh, when you have, you know, a, a, a guy knifes into the backfield on a running play and hits the back right after he gets the football. To me, you have to create negative plays and create third down, you know, passing situations to create turnovers for Carolina. So many times it didn't feel like they were able to necessarily do that. So I think all those things kind of go hand in hand. Um, there, will, I think from a game-to-game standpoint, sometimes you're just not going to – like sometimes the other team's just not going to put the ball in danger. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you have to live with that. It's kind of interesting too, Wes. I mean, I mentioned they didn't cause an adequate number to counteract the other ones. I mean, big reason for that is – big reason they couldn't create as many turnovers, and I'm looking at it from a statistical standpoint, is just their, their turnovers lost, you know, actual stat. The number was so high. When you look at back what they created, this number is higher than I thought. I think it's probably you look at um, well, the bowl game was big, the Clemson game was big. You know that probably padded those stats a little bit. They actually forced twenty three last year, and that was top twenty nationally. It's tied for twentieth. So I think the end of the season probably helped that. Um, they had you know you're just thinking back on the season, they had some big plays, um, you know, throughout the year that helped them with that. So. Hey, you stay on that track in terms of turnovers forced, doing pretty well. Another part of that, maybe you're playing too many snaps defensively. You know, that more snaps, in theory, more turnovers. You'd like to play, play less snaps this year defensively. But, you know, you, you noticed you didn't hear Beamer up there talking about how many turnovers they forced. There's no doubt he'd like to force more. Mm-hmm. His big point of emphasis is you got to take better, better care of the ball on offense. Yeah, and I, I remember, I mean, didn't they start it pretty slow? Like, they didn't really – I mean, Georgia State, you had some big plays that yeah. don't go in the books as turnovers, but by all intents and purposes actually probably are. Um, statistically, they're not. But you block two punts, you had the big fourth down stop. A turnover on downs, in my opinion, should be a turnover. A lot of defensive coaches count it that way. It's not that way in the stat book. First three games, I don't think they forced many at all. And then from that point forward, um, they forced a bunch against Charlotte, forced some against SC State. Um, like you said, they had some game. Kentucky, they forced a bunch. Clemson, they forced them. Notre Dame, you had two pick sixes, another uh, interception, you know, when Notre Dame's in your territory. I mean, um, at times they were very opportunistic, so we, we will give them credit for that. Um, but, yeah, protecting the football – Certainly something that's got to be a a major focus this offseason. Uh, before we move forward and talk about some of the players, I want to tell everybody about our friends at Liberty Tax. Um, here, y'all give me a second. I got to get this banner off so that y'all can actually look at the Liberty Tax number there. 803-462-5576. It is tax time. It is here. So we tell you most of the time we're telling you how to get ready for your taxes now it is actually here. So go do your taxes. You don't want the IRS hitting you up. Uh, 803-462-5576. There are five locations for Liberty Tax right here in the greater Columbia area. That is in the actual Columbia city limits. That is in Lexington, and that is in Irmo as well. Uh, whether you're in a hurry or you're just kind of worried about what Uncle Sam is going to ask from you, 
Uh, the friends at Liberty Tax here will help you through that process. They're open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. You can walk in, you can set an appointment, or you can actually start doing it on the mobile app as well. So again, 803-462-5576. No matter how you want to do your taxes, no matter how you're most comfortable, Liberty Tax will help you through that process. Um, Chris, one of the players I saw on Twitter, again, we weren't able to watch all of them yet, said that Lenore Sellers may have the strongest arm on the team. And you know what is maybe just as impressive about that? I really wasn't surprised to hear it. No, kind of an easy motion. Um, you know, Spencer, I mean, it, it was mentioned the flick of the wrist. You think of Spitzer Rattler with that, how he can just kind of shortstop the ball out there. Uh, Lenore's Sellers, he, he makes a lot of things, you know, just thinking back to him in high school. He doesn't always, it, it doesn't like a strain for him. Like he almost kind of makes it look easier, just effortless throwing the football, even running the football, just his balance and all those things are, are so, so good. See squatting West, like 500-something pounds. Uh, this is a kid that's just – he's just a really, really, really high-level athlete. And I know a lot of the things that we've been hearing about him <clears throat> in the player run practices as we get closer and closer to spring ball, less than two weeks away, have been really good. So, you know, you talk about players you're excited to see. I have a bunch of them. I feel like, like the transfer portal for me, Wes, has made it – even like more intriguing to go out to some practices. We don't get as many practices or as much practice time as we used to under Steve Spurrier when it's probably a few too many, like 15 full practices out there at night, hot in the humidity. Um, but I think when you've got people that you know are going to play a big, big role, that makes it more interesting. So most of the transfer guys are on my list of guys I want to see, but Lenora Sellers as a freshman is is definitely one of those guys. All right, Chris, on the spot. Uh-oh. What transfer are you most intrigued to see? Man. And do not steal mine. Excuse me, I had to cough it. The pollen has got – here's another update. The pollen has gotten bad. Y'all, if you're watching on the video, you have seen me mute and then cough – and like I feel like half of my sentences, I'm trying to just make it through because I can hear myself <laughs> about it. Tickle at the end, start, yeah, start to cough during this thing. So I mean, apologies in advance if we sound like absolute crap. But there's <laughs> yellow stuff everywhere. It's just a haze of yellow. You drive down the road, haze of yellow. Anyway, that gave Chris a little time to think about it. What well, you, you know, what it gave me time to get is my breath back until I cough again. <laughs> So, what is there, nine transfers? Yep. I, I'm, I'm honestly looking forward for different reasons to seeing all of them. Let me think. I'm, I'm going through the list. I think – I'm still going to say Trey Knox. Okay. I didn't steal yours? Nope, didn't. Okay. I, I mean, I think Trey Knox because, you know, the tight end room has completely cleared out. So, there's, there's basically – there is zero doubt <laughs> – we're going to see one to two new starters at tight end. And so you figure Knox is going to be one. Heard a lot of good things about Josh Simon, who's 
course, on that short list or long list of guys that I'm looking forward to seeing. But just from seeing Trey play some and, and um, you know, looking back at it, following him a little bit in high school, um, following his career at Arkansas, seeing some things that he can do, his body type, his skill set, really, really intrigued to see him. Who was yours? Do you know who mine is? Out of the transfers. I, I feel like I'm going a little bit outside the box. Okay. A little bit. No, I don't know who yours is. D'Angelo Gibbs? <laughs> no. Um, Mario Anderson. That's a good one. He He's up in the upper echelon for me, for sure. Because I feel like we maybe haven't talked about him enough in terms of what's going to happen at the running back position. And I feel like spring, much like we're looking at the edge spot, running back is very similar. However, I feel like with, with the edge spot, there is no – there's no guy – who is the Mario Anderson of the edge spot that's like someone who hasn't proven it at the SEC level but has talent and is new and is a little bit older and I'm saying hey that guy could that guy could do it but Mario Anderson he's going to be a good player for South Carolina I'm curious to see does that mean good like here we are solid SEC back he can get the yards that are there or does that mean he's going to be pretty good? Does that mean he could be potentially great? Like, where where does he fit in? It's sometimes hard to get a feel for how a guy will make the transition and how their, how their skill set will translate from a lower level into the SEC. So I'm curious to see what, what do we hear about him from spring? What does he look like in the spring game? Is he running through tackles? Are guys, for the most part, getting him on the ground, you know, when when they have free shots at him? Is he making people miss? I don't think he's a make-you-miss guy necessarily. I think he's more of a, I'm going to run through you. But, I, you know, I'm just very curious because that's a position is firmly in the question mark category for me. Love Juju. Think he's a great teammate. Think, you know, he's a good player for them. But I, I think if... If Mario Anderson can help solidify that spot, the staff probably feels a lot better about running back, even though I still think you got to go portal. And then I think there's some pressure, not pressure, maybe maybe opportunity is the word. There's some opportunity for DJ Braswell when he gets here in the summer where I'm circling him saying, this guy's going to play now. You maybe wouldn't have said that when he committed to Carolina. But yeah. um, I, I just, I think we'll feel, I think, I think the way we feel about the running back position after the spring firmly depends on how we feel specifically about Mario Anderson. Yeah, there's almost no doubt about it. And, I mean, it's the biggest part of it really is just numbers, Wes. I mean, from a numbers standpoint, they're still down. Bring in Braswell, definitely get a chance to see what he can do in summer and preseason. And then you look even at the transfer portal window after spring, that's another spot that they're – going to be looking at so they're, they're just kind of down in numbers and proven experience right now the most proven guy on the roster is mario anderson but proven at a different level and so um, i know beamer pointed out today that they've had guys that have come and had success at south carolina at lower level pro who were successful at lower level programs and 
what he, he didn't say it this way, but basically it translated. And so until he does it, it is a question. I mean, it's a question for a high school kid or a JUCO kid or a transfer kid, even if it's a transfer kid from a power five school, can they get to your place and do it? And so um, it's more of a question for Anderson because he's not jumping from, you know, say like Arkansas, Trey Knox. He hasn't played an all SEC schedule, um, but he is a guy that has some talent. You look at the tape, you look at the production at that level, the production, you know, if you're bringing in a kid, Wes, who was moderately productive at Newberry, okay, this kid was super productive. And so that makes you a little bit more, you know, intrigued to see him. So, yeah, Mario Anderson definitely in my in my top group. Eddie Lewis is another one for me. You know, I, I think um, – heck, I, I am kind of curious. I, I kind of joked about D'Angelo Gibbs. I do want to see him. I mean, clearly he, he does still need to get in football shape. He's been around – away from the game for a while. Um, and, and from what he said – Luke Day put him right back in it. Not much of a, uh, not much of a, a grace period there, getting back into workouts. But I mean, this is a kid who had a lot of talent out of high school, and so I'm I'm kind of curious to see him eventually. I don't know how much we'll see of him. You know, when we'll see it, a good bit of him. But uh, he's on the list for me. Well, we've heard DB. Do we know is that is that safety? Is that right? Does that could he play corner? What you know? I don't know. I, Any I idea? Don't know. No, he, he said DB today. So we need to we need to do a little bit of GamecockCentral.com digging on that, Wes. But um, hey, I'm high school say. film, y'all. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I my initial thing is I told fans, hey guys, treat this guy like a transfer who's coming in as a walk on. Right. You know, don't put the expectations of oh he was a five star. Um, you know, it's a it's a win-win situation for everybody involved. He's getting that final opportunity here. But don't put it on him like, oh, he's going to come in and start right off the bat. And, uh, you know, this is a five-star player. But uh, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm intrigued to see him. And can you imagine can you imagine going through a Luke Day workout if no. you've been out of ball for a while? You I can't imagine even if you, if you yeah. aren't out of ball. But yeah, just, you didn't need to add the second part of the sentence. But <laughs> add that in and then think about it. And, and like you're jumping it, it's not all right. Well, let, let's start him out with with this, you know, let's let him run on the treadmill a few minutes. No, it's just here you go. You're in. Y'all, um, y'all remember, I think they called it grit night. Um, was, was grit is grit night all of the competitions, or was that just what the final competition was like? The final thing where they took them out into that deserted fields <laughs> yeah 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 was that grit night yeah i think that's grit night yeah the guys still talk about that to this day and they're just like they just put their head down you know there's like yeah. Yeah, that, um, that was bad yeah but but wait from what i've heard rumors wait wait do y'all hear the latest thing that luke day had up his sleeve recently like this this guy is not just oh we're gonna get in here we're gonna push some weight around we're gonna do some squats i i heard about them like burying stuff and guys having to dig it up and then like teamwork type stuff having to having to dig stuff up out of the ground and 
Just wait. I don't know all the details yet. I'm putting Man, the, what the tease this is. Putting the puzzle pieces together. Wait, I think it's already happened. Or it's about to happen. But just wait till y'all. I'm sure there'll be a video on this. Oh, there's gonna be a video. Wait, wait until y'all see them digging stuff out of the ground. Um over I think over not at the stadium, but somewhere around there where they have maybe the frat lots or something. I don't know. But just wait. It's gonna it's gonna be a while. But Chris, you and I, I mean, we've been told by several people, and then of course the players talk about it. These are not your regular workouts. Yeah. One of the players mentioned today, you know, hey, I'm I was kind of used to just Olympic style lifting. And then you come in here and you're like, what is this? You know, you're basically, I mean, I was talking to, when I, we were talking to Trey Knox on the interview, the Garnet Trust interview. And he was like, the first week he, he said, he was, he said, I was lost in the sauce. Like I had no idea what was going on. He, I didn't know what this was, but he, he, kind of, he got acclimated and kind of was like, but, but Luke Day's thing is about pushing your, your physical limits. Sure. But also just mentally. You know, and so I, that has helped. I mean, I really firmly believe that has helped a lot of South Carolina's players not only tap into some of the potential that maybe we had not seen in some guys, and then it eventually comes out, um, but also just as a team, how they've been able to stick together. But those things help. They they hone in and focus a lot on those things. And Lou Day's an interesting dude. He's not just a – you know, like you think of the strength coach – and, you know, just the whole meathead kind of thing. Stereotypical. St- the complete stereotype. And this guy is just – he's just not that, you know. Um, we talk, I talked to Shane Beamer. We talked to Shane Beamer about him a little bit, Wes, and he gave some thoughts. We actually put up in a story recently on Gamecock Central, if you want to – yeah, Gamecock Ryan shouting that out. Appreciate you, Ryan. Uh, another cool thing. So, yeah, he, he's been – he has been a huge hire, in my opinion, for Shane Beamer. He he's very much into he kind of makes the guys um crawl before they walk. Um l- literally. Like he's very into what is the word for that? Is it like kinetics? Isn't that the word for that? It's like quite literally how how you properly move to where yeah. your your legs and your gait is matching with how you move your arms and the proper way to breathe like a a big part of their workouts is at times when they are rebooting everything is to quite literally learn to properly like going back to the dawn of man like how you properly crawl how you properly walk um there's a thing they do where they lay on the ground and like breathe correctly um after they first stretch and i'm i mean i'm sure i'm butchering this to an extent but it is very deep. It's not just, hey guys, here's uh some heavy weights, lift yeah. them, squat, um, squat this, yeah, squat this. Uh, so it's cool. But anyway, man, um, trying to see, Nick Garzulo, interesting addition. Yeah, starting you think he's starting center. Yeah, yeah, we're on the same page with that. I'll shoot. I'll shoot my shot on that. I'll throw that out. Starting center. I'm there. You know, yeah. uh, Eric Douglas, I mean, uh, he there's was, some similarities, actually. Yeah, I mean, Eric's a super – he was a, just a really intelligent guy that could handle all the calls. I feel like I'm stereotyping Nick Garzula because oh, he's a Yale guy. But, I mean, let's be honest. If you if you go to Yale, 
you know, and you make like their all academic teams and stuff like that. You, you are smart. I mean, it's just, it's a compliment. Um, and at center, I mean, you want a guy that can handle all those different things. And so, um, you know, there's some similarities in the run game with what they did up at Yale um, under, uh, I think, was it Kevin Cahill? I, I might be messing the name up, but he ended up getting another job in the offseason under Tony Reno, Dante Reno's dad there at Yale. And um, that connection obviously helped with all that, with, with getting Nick here. But he is a guy that is up to 305, 310. Um, he's played tackle in his career. He said he's been focusing on guard and center. But, Wes, I mean, when you look at losing Eric Douglas, now they lost Javon Glenn too. But that center spot's really, really important. And I feel like he's the most, you know, the most sensible option just to plug in there. Yeah, I think Trey Jones – or Vershawn Lee, one probably win that that other guard spot. Um, you know, if if they played out the way they did to finish the year, you had Jalen Nichols at left tackle. Um, Sidney Fugar saying today that he uh, believes he will start out at left tackle. Um, you know, I thought that was interesting. But Jakai Moore kind of locked down left guard. I think Tyshawn Wanamaker, especially, you know, not to go all the way back to the injuries, but I think they would have loved to have gotten Case and Henry a full spring of reps you know long term he's going to be just fine but i think that does hurt as far as development letting him have a full spring oh, rotating yeah. with wanamaker maybe even battling it out with wanamaker i mean there he was listed as an or starter in the bowl game case and henry was so i think that's someone they like he's got some ability he's got some upside um if we assume and we're probably ahead of ourselves but if we assume gargiulo as a starter at center then you would also then assume you know, Trey Jones and Vershawn Lee are fighting it out at that other guard spot. However, I mean, I think that is a spot where they have enough guys, enough talent. It's not going to shock you if somebody yeah. just takes that big step. That's, I mean, that's the beauty of sports. That's the beauty of moving from one year to the next. You never quite know. And even as much as we hear, Chris, like sometimes we will hear, hey, this guy's stepping into a much bigger role this year. There's yeah. always a guy. And sometimes they even surprise the coaches, don't you feel like? Like there's always a guy yes. that just outplays any and all expectations. That happens a lot. And even if it's a guy that just gives you something, you know, not necessarily even a starter or a star, but just someone that gives you some depth that maybe you didn't anticipate. And that was kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about Edge. I mean, maybe, maybe it's not all, you know, I don't think there's any scenario – in which nothing changes with the roster and the 2023 season happens and we get men, South Carolina, their edges were just terrors. You know, I, I don't know. I don't think we, we say that, but that's why I pointed out, you know, maybe there's a guy that emerges and gives you a little bit more, you know, than you, than you other eyes thought that you, you mentioned uh, Fugar. He had the quote of the day in my book. Um, Actually, Gamecock fans should be happy. A few different players mentioned some form of violence in the game, so maybe maybe I'll like that. Sidney Fugar, uh, 60 minutes of hell. That would be a good uh, – that'd be a good, you know, classification if the offensive line could play that way. I don't think he's a guy that probably doesn't give them a lot this year. Could be one of those surprise guys. You never know. Um, but an interesting take for him just because he's a he's this big lineman with traits, you know, and, and those are those are to me always pretty interesting. 
Definitely, man. Um, all right. I think this is a good return. I think it's a good place to stop. We only got, let's see, we only got the one angry message, and it was actually by accident. So we're doing great. I think we're okay. Um, by the way, man, you know I've been obsessed with this, but I'm going to make this about South Carolina. How about our boy Avery Wilkes, former Gamecock Central writer, covering the Alec Murdoch trial? Um, we're not going to go into the trial because Chris knows I've been obsessed, but Avery has been amazing oh, yeah. in his coverage. So y'all, y'all go follow Avery. Probably telling you this a little bit late, but um, he's been fantastic. I think he's going to have you know, national publications in his DMs here soon. Uh, but we already knew Avery was the man. We already knew how talented he was, very special. Um, his investigative reporting has been fantastic, man. But um, I just we got to throw a shout-out to Avery for his job covering this trial. I can't imagine how excited everybody on the periphery of this thing is that this trial – will soon be over. Yeah, he, he's done an amazing job, man. There have been several, but Avery's always been a rock star. And uh, we, we kind of knew that when he was working for us at Gamecock Central, that he'd probably go on to do something else and then got into, like, the political reporting realm. His investigative reporting, he's been done. Um, he, he's like the angel of death for, like, people. If you, if you are doing some shady stuff and you're in public office – you don't want to know Avery Wilkes. He's going to get you. But he, he'll find you. He'll find you. He's He'll find you out. He's done a fantastic job, though. You're exactly right. Love following his stuff. What is the What is the quote from Taken? Um, the, I, I had, he has a very uh, – you can leave off the last part, but as I have a very uh, specific – Set of skills. Set yeah. of skills. Like Avery has a very specific set of skills. Oh, he does. Uh, and he will find you. So, <laughs> and then he will write a – Scathing piece. Yes. A scathing but fair piece. <laughs> yes, I will write a fair and well-reported story about you. Yeah. Um, all right, y'all. Hey, appreciate it. He's Chris. I'm Wes. Um, it won't be as long this time. Um, there's a lot of other things going on. There was some sickness going around. But we're back. We'll have plenty to talk about. And there'll be plenty to talk about throughout spring. So appreciate y'all joining as always. Uh, y'all have a good weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.